Hello and welcome to the Single Space Podcast, where we talk about the thrills and challenges of being a single young adult. No matter where you find yourself, this is your safe space to deep dive into the good, the bad, and everything in between of being single. Hey friends, I am back. So late last year, I did a mini series on sex, but I wanted to circle back around to this because what I didn't address in that series was the sex and singlehood dynamic. And it's a super hard dynamic for us as humans. I say that because as humans, we were created for sex. And the snag is that we were created to have sex with one person one helpmate, and that happens through the institution of marriage. So for us as singles, in the meantime, there's all this natural sexual tension and energy with no outlet. And so what sparked this thought and what sparked this conversation today is because I had a friend ask me, what do I do? What do I do with this energy that I have and no outlet? And at the time, I had no answer. I questioned, does that mean adopting the cultural norm and going for it and getting multiple multiple sexual partners, or at least having one? Does that mean watching porn? And in short, does that mean openly disobeying God? And I had two things that helped me in seeing the answer a little bit more clearly. And one of them is I've seen it where Christian people contend with sex and singlehood, like I've just described, Um, you know, having partners outside marriage, watching porn, all that sort of thing. And I've also recently seen that same contention and struggling, but going a different direction uh, with people who've taken a vow of celibacy or who have purposely chosen not to see certain things or listen or watch or read stuff. And seeing both of those groups, I can tell you that the group that I guess I would say turns away from what the world says um, and being able to satisfy and fulfill your sexual desire right away um, is way harder. Like turning away from all of that is way, way harder. But in these people who have chosen to turn, not necessarily turn away from sex, but um, or their desire, but to exercise self-control in a way um, that they handle their sexual desire, I've seen a deeper love for the word. And where others are insecure and disquieted, I've seen security and peace. And I feel like God has shown these people things that he hasn't shown the other group because these people have been willing to get quiet and tune out the temptations and distractions. And yeah, like I said, it is way harder. But I would say that God doesn't call us to easy. And sometimes following God simply means doing the hard things. And I think this is something that's foreign to our culture, and especially Christian culture, even, because we've been told to do what feels good to us in the moment. And I think that we're seeing marriage as something that's becoming irrelevant in a lot of ways. But I've been on my own journey, and through the process, I've come to 
a very small, I guess, outside of the fence way of getting a glimpse of how much God loves and champions sex, and that it's a good thing, and that it's a beautiful thing, and that it's a pleasurable thing. And because of that, I'm here to uphold and honor sex and the way that God intended and designed for it to be. And that doesn't mean that I do it perfectly. And it doesn't mean that I feel like doing it every day. I actually don't think there's a perfect balance between being single and having a desire for sex. I just don't. It's unnatural for most of us. And it's not how we were supposed to live long term. Uh, And like I said, having a sexual desire is a healthy thing. It's a good thing. And I would say that it's a holy thing. And in the end, it's simply a matter of what we choose to do with that desire and how we choose to channel that energy with God's help. So I love how people are able to channel their energy into something good to have a healthy outlet. I recently started watching Nadia Bakes on Netflix and it's beautifully filmed, it's calming, and who doesn't love a British accent? (laughs) Interestingly, Nadia, the show's host, had a very rough start um, and a very rough marriage, and she managed to challenge the hurt um, and the trauma into baking. Um, Another example is in the movie It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Mr. Rogers, played by Tom Hanks, swims every day and plays the piano. A character tells his wife, wow, he's so dedicated to this. And his wife responds by saying that he works at this all the time and that it's his practice because he has a temper. And he chooses, she explains, how he responds to that anger. Um, So I think the same can be said about our sexual desires. It's not ignoring the existence of such a desire, but it's channeling the energy. I have a friend that stays active and busy to avoid sexual temptation. Another paints. Um, Some bake. Others dance. Um, I personally rearrange my apartment to my poor sister's dismay. She's so patient with me. Um, I also verbally express how I'm feeling with trusted friends. And for me, it does two things. It normalizes how I'm feeling. It allows me to feel sexual angst rather than trying to suppress it. And it gives me a healthy way to channel that energy verbally. Um, something else that helps is to be given a why. At work, I might not like an assignment I'm given, but if I'm given a reason or a purpose or a why, I'm much more likely to follow through. And that's where developing a sexual ethic comes into play, which I've mentioned elsewhere. So I personally spent a year deconstructing messages from TV, from culture, even a little bit from the church, and going back to the word of God and seeing what God has to say about sex and letting that be my why. And what I found is that God has serious safeguards around sex and marriage, like an electric zap fence that people would have around their prized blue bonnets. And I think it's because he knows how good it is and how easily the world and Satan will come in and corrupt it. 
It's like when you have a good horse. So growing up, I had an amazing horse. And I didn't want a bunch of kids coming in and ruining her or messing her up. And so what I did was I put rules or boundaries around how they could treat her and when they could spend time with her and um, all of those things. What they could and couldn't do when riding her. And that's called boundaries. And we think of boundaries as a bad thing, but boundaries are actually a really good thing. Um, and that's something that God uses as protection around things that he has created. You think about the fall and in the Garden of Eden and when God had this perfect paradise. He had the tree of knowledge of good and evil and he had the tree of life. And after Adam and Eve sinned, God had to cast them out of the garden and put an angel in front of the garden to keep them from coming back to eating from the tree of life so that they would live forever in sin. So that's just one example of how God uses boundaries to protect us um, from good things. Another thing that helped me understand God's heart for sex and marriage um, was hearing an explicitly positive conversation surrounding sex, and it wasn't in an irreverent way. Uh, it's really impossible for me to do justice to how that conversation truly changed my view of sex, and I hope to be able to share that conversation at some point, but for me to hear the passion and the joy in a conversation that wasn't a movie or book about sex um, was huge, especially from Christians. And to have verbal permission to think about sex as being good, uh, fun, and exciting, and adventure rather than dangerous and dirty gave me a greater incentive to be able to champion sex within marriage, which is interesting because I think the message that I was hearing before to protect sex within marriage was negative. And so it totally changed things for me when I was able to hear a positive message about protecting sex within marriage. And it gave me a deeper desire to, to do that. Um, so as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, for a long time, my sexy side was like a detached storage closet that was locked. I had no idea what was in there. But if you were to ask me, my guess would have been spiders, cobwebs, and a bunch of ghosts. Um, all the other rooms, like uh, emotions, physical appearance, were more or less open and accessible to me, whether I chose to step into them or not. But I spent years trying to disassociate my sexual desire with myself. I was frustrated with myself for not being able to suppress my natural God-given desire. And I had so many days of sexual angst and frustration that I tried to simply ignore that room. And I was afraid my curiosity would overpower me. But that was before I knew that sex isn't a drive. And that was before I knew that I'm a spiritual and physical and sexual being. Last year, through a number of healing things, I had the freedom and permission to acknowledge that my sexual desire exists. It didn't mean I had to do anything with it, but it did allow me to open the door to my storage closet, and I found it wasn't a storage closet. <laughs> what I found inside um, 
was that my sexuality is pure and as beautiful and as loving as I am. And I found that God has given me that desire and it is so, so good. Overall, that's led to wholeness. Uh, I feel like there's no more disjointed or cut off rooms in my house. I understand the power of my sexual desire. I've embraced that as part of who I am. I bring that along with me on dates now instead of leaving it at home. And I think that that's good to bring that element of your sexy side on dates because number one, it's fun. And number two, true attraction comes from who you are, all of who you are. And finally, I've taken responsibility of that desire. Um, So maybe that's all for now is just acknowledging that that desire exists um, so where does that leave us? I was thinking about the answer or the the help for us or the antidote. And it is a deceptively simple answer. And it comes from God's word, um, specifically in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9, where Paul's talking to the church and he's addressing the kind of crazed, uh, sexually immoral culture that the Corinthians were living in. And I think it, it, it's a culture that's not unlike our own. Um, I feel like history has a way of repeating itself, and that was really true for the Corinthian church and, and for us at this time as the church. And Paul's answer was, he said to the church, it's better to marry than to burn. So there's your answer. Get married. And I know that that is a lot easier said than done. But I also know that God's desire for most of us is to get married. And so that's really been an encouragement to me. It's been kind of a light or a guiding post. Um, so something that I can think of when I'm discouraged, um, being able to talk to God and be able to say, you know, this is something that you desire for us and that you have created as a way to safeguard sex. And so if this is something that you have for me, um, I pray that you would show me at the right time. And so, yeah, that's been an encouragement to me. Um, I know it's easier said than done, but it's interesting how a lot of times in the Bible, the, the answer is deceptively simple. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but, but God does have an answer and a a outlet I guess you could say for us so yeah that is my thought for today and um, if this has been an encouragement to you if you can think of someone to encourage um, share and like this podcast and as always we will see you back on again here next time The Single Space Podcast is now on Patreon. 
This is the beginning to finding purpose on your singlehood journey with exclusive merch, interviews, and content. With three tiers, you can become an official Single Space Patreon and have access to exclusive podcast episodes or become a Single Space Superfan and access episodes and new merch or become a single space VIP with the benefits of tier one and two plus access to content geared to help you not just survive, but thrive singlehood. Whether you're struggling with being single or rocking it, this is the place for you.